Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night, a horror anthology podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is the guy that never uses a chainsaw. It's Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Hey, Cortland. I never until I do. Right, right. Until it's forced upon you because you're blind. So, Brandon, we have a very special guest today. We have Rainier from the Horror for Kids Twitter account. How are you doing, Rainier? Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having hey. me. I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you. Um, I'm so excited to be here chatting with you guys about this iconic show. And I mentioned to Cortland before, this is actually the first time I've ever watched this show. So, like, my reactions are all genuine. Um, I've, <laughs> I've never watched an entire episode of Tales from the Crypt. Of course, I watched the more family-friendly one, Tales from the Crypt Keeper. I was going uh, to ask. Back. Yeah. yeah, front to back. But uh, I, I, because <laughs> my realm has been, you know, PG, PG-13 tops, I, I never really ventured out into the more mature series. So I'm super pumped to talk about it here with you guys. That's awesome. I was going to ask if you had seen Tales from the Crypt Keeper, because I've only seen about oh, one episode yeah. of that show. Oh, man, that's my show. I, I grew <laughs> up with that, right? So I love that. I love that. What was it on? Was it on like ABC Mornings or something? Well, see, I'm Canadian. So for oh, me, nice. it was on Teletoon. I'm not sure what the American programming was for it, but for me, it was on Teletoon. And it was always like in the afternoon, like... It was kind of like my prequel to the Are You Afraid of the Darks and the Goosebumps, like, because it aired during the daytime. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. I watched it during the day and then, you know, prepare myself for the more scarier shows at night. But, oh, man, I loved it. That's awesome. So one of the things that Brandon and I, I don't even think we debate about it. I think we have a pretty set idea. Like, gateways into horror for kids. If you had a child that was interested in horror, they'd never seen anything else before, what would you start a child out in? Hmm, how old is that child? Let's say seven years old. Uh, seven years old, I might go with Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Scooby-Doo, okay. Nice. I might go with Scooby-Doo, and I'll tell you why, because you know, with Scooby-Doo, you can plant the seeds that the monsters aren't real. You know, right. You still have some episodes that do have a bit of spook, and... You know, by the time they're like nine, eight, nine, ten, you can start to gear up towards like, are you afraid of the dark and the goosebumps and all, all those little bit more, uh, I guess, mature in a way, <laughs> horror shows for a kid. Uh, but Scooby-Doo, I think, is a really great intro because you still get juvenile scares, but you also, the monster's not real. You you get a sense of like mystery. You instill that. For me, that's a really good starting point. That's cool. I'd never considered Scooby-Doo, honestly. <laughs> Yeah. When you said Scooby-Doo, I was like, oh, yeah, Scooby-Doo exists. <laughs> and I do remember watching that as a kid and like actually being scared. of it. <laughs> oh, totally. And I mean, it's branched out so much now that there's so many avenues that you can take your seven year old. There's, you know, the Scooby-Doo TV series, the many of them. There's the movies, oh, yeah. there's the, the, the games, you know, there's so much that you can just rock their world with <laughs> when it comes to Scooby-Doo. So I think it'd be a great starting point. But I mean, of course, there's other shows. Like, it really depends on how kind of w what your child's scare tolerance is. Like, mm -hmm. you know, Prisley Tales for Kids, that could be appropriate for seven year olds too, right? Seven, eight, nine. And that's a lot more scarier than Scooby Doo for sure. But still, in like the claymation animation. I mean, that's it, scary it, in it, itself. <laughs> it, exactly. It's true. It's true. It's funny because then you can just like drop, you know, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island on them because <laughs> I was obsessed with that movie when it came out. Man, I can't even. We can have a whole episode on that by itself. <laughs> that was my movie. Like I, I caught that for some reason. I caught that the morning of like Thanksgiving and uh, one year when I was a kid. And I was just I remember like wondering how I can watch that again. You know, this is <laughs> yep. before oh, yeah. we had streaming and all that. So I'm like, when is that going to come out again? Can we go to Blockbuster right now so I can get that movie again? Because <laughs> it was so good. And the first time that, like, you know, Scooby-Doo had really pushed the boundaries of maybe these aren't just people. Maybe maybe there's something a lot more sinister going on here, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was obsessed with it. I remember watching it one Halloween. I think a Halloween it came out and... I was like, it's my favorite gang, but there's actually, I'm, I'm huge into zombies. So it was kind of like perfect for me. I'm a big zombie fan. Perfect. Yeah, but uh, perfect. we got an episode of Tales from the Crypt to talk about. Your first episode right here. It was Deadline from season three. <laughs> I'm, you know, typically I ask Brandon first, well, Brandon, what did you think about? But Rainier, what did you think of your first foray into Tales from the Crypt? So it's funny because before I, I kind of watched it, I, I kind of scanned the comments and 
a lot of people were like, this is the worst episode of this series. I never want to watch this again. Like, I, yeah. I, I can't believe I just wasted. I messaged you and I was like, like, I'm sorry. This one sucks. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I know. It's, it's so, uh, it's so crazy. So my first episode of Tales from the Crypt, I, I was, so I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, I thought that, you know, for one, the aesthetic of it is just gorgeous. It's beautiful. And mm-hmm. I, I, I love the episode. I know so many people hated it, but for my first episode, <laughs> I loved it. Maybe because I don't know what to expect uh, or because I haven't seen any of the particularly like great uh, Tales from the Crypt episodes. But I thought this episode was fantastic. The, the Like I'm watching it now, the way that it shot, the neon lights of the, the signs in the bar, mm-hmm. someone went way too far with the fog machine. I love that. <laughs> and so it's just, it's very, it's very nostalgic for me. And you know, the story, the story makes sense to me. And, and like, I have my own theories. I'm sure you guys have your own theories too, but I've got my own theories as to like how this thing concludes here. I'd love to talk about it. Um, I gotta say, if this, if you enjoyed this episode, then I think we can suggest some uh, better episodes that we've seen so far so that you can get some further enjoyment. Cause you, you're gonna look back and be like, oh, wait, deadline was shit. Like, <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, maybe, maybe. And like I said, I said, man, if, if this episode was shit, then I can't wait to watch the rest <laughs> of the series because, God, I'm in for a treat. Well, Brandon, what did you think of Deadline? Okay, so this this episode isn't on the the level of like a Hungry Hounds or, you know, yeah. a Misfortune Cookie for me. <laughs> but while I was watching it, until maybe like, 18 minutes into the episode, I was thinking, why is this an episode of Tales from the Crypt? Mm-hmm. Like, why did why yeah. did this episode get made? And <laughs> it it does have like the story does go somewhere. And I think it has a, a pretty strong finish. But most of the episode, I was just waiting for something to really happen. This episode is basically just a day in the life of a dude like, for most of it. <laughs> yeah, just chilling out with this guy. <laughs> just see That's what he's up to. At a bar. It's an episode of Cheers. Yeah, pretty no, much. No, it's so true. You know, and that's that kind of went through my mind. You know, like one of the things I praised about this episode was how kind of realistic this guy's character was to a lot of guys that I know. And so I can in a sense, relate to some of the things, some of his emotions, because I've seen situations like this before, right? Yeah. Um, so they did a really great job of nailing the the cast of, or the stereotyping that kind of lifestyle, I guess. I can see what you mean. I can see it. Well, let's just yeah. get into this. We got, we got some stuff to cover here. My notes are great. So our episode opens up to show us a cocktail bar. It's all filled up with skeletons, though, because we're down in the crypt. Yeah, he's got a bar down there. He's got this it whole all. Time. Like the beginning openings of, of Tales from the Crypt, the Crypt Keeper is always doing something. Like he is the most skilled person that is not a person because he he's a lumberjack. He's he plays hoops one time. He's got a bar. He was uh, the owner of like a like a destination vacation area. Like he does it all. He's, <laughs> guy. he's being our little bartender tonight. And we see a skeletal waitress clomp her way through, holding some drinks, when behind the bar, up pops the Crypt Keeper, and he's cleaning the glass. Because I guess that's what you do when you're a bartender. You just sit there and you clean glasses. All day. To look busy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to get fired. (laughs) It's true. He spots us asking, so what'll it be, stranger? Can I interest you in a Mai Dai? Or would you prefer a rum and choke? Or maybe something (laughs) a little stronger? He pulls up his books of tales here, saying that he's got just the thing, a nasty little snootful about a news hound named Charlie, who needs a murder story and a drink, but not necessarily in that order. Man, what some people won't do for a good stiff one. He calls this little <laughs> eye-opener deadline. Now, the picture for this one, uh, I put in my nose, it's kind of boring. In the foreground, we see a dude with his head slummed down on a table, and there's a little bottle of whiskey in front of him. In the background is a sexy woman in a little black dress and some headlines about some grisly murders, I guess. I wonder if that'll come up. Nah. They don't. No. <laughs> Overall, not the best cover. It's got a, an appropriately noirish vibe. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I love that part about it. Yeah, like the actual, you know, picture is really cool of all the newspaper clippings and whatnot. 
But um, that's another thing. I, I before I watched this, I thought that Tales from the Crypt uh, would be a little bit more like graphic in its killing, and this mm-hmm. was surprisingly ta- this was surprisingly tame. So I was I was I was really cool with that. We've seen some things. We've seen some things right here. Uh, this episode is pretty <laughs> tame compared to a lot of the episodes. I think there's no blood at all in this episode. I don't think there's no gore. Not at all. Um, nope. some of the episodes, like the episode we just watched was called split second. And there's literally a guy getting chopped into pieces with a chainsaw. So like it gets oh there. Oh my God. Wow. So you see like how vastly different, like, cause that's what I grew up fearing about this series. And <laughs> yeah. then I come in and I, and I watch this and I'm like, Oh wow, this is great. I missed out. I could have been watching this. <laughs> and, uh, then you tell me that and it's like, Oh, now I know why I stayed clear of it. Yeah. This is a very tame episode. We cut into this episode, and this one starts out just a little different, because we don't get the title card right away for Deadline. We're just in this black room with our main character here, Charlie, who introduces himself as Charlie McKenzie, and he's a newspaper man. He's all, uh, well, at least I used to be until a little while ago. He tells us that... I'd do anything to get a story. Anything. That was his reputation. The way he figured it, people had the right to know. That's the First Amendment, right? That's what this country's all about, right? And he goes to tell us that he worked on some pretty high-profile cases in his times. He was a pretty good news reporter. He did some magazines and all that stuff. But he had a little problem. We circle fade to a bar where we get our title card for Deadline. The camera slowly pans us over some, like, drinks and some stacked glasses and stuff. There's this kind of jarring, old-timey, like, noir, sleuthy music that plays. It's very slow, though. Like, this panning is so slow. It's a big waste of time, which... I say that a lot in Tales from the Crypt episodes, especially in the beginning. They waste a lot of time. After what seems like an eternity, we stop on our buddy Charlie, who's got his face slumped down on the table, just like in the intro picture. Right away, we get our picture already. Because, like, most of the time, these pictures at the beginning, they'll just completely spoil the episode. Well, that's good to know. I put in my notes here. I feel this doesn't bode well for the episode, that we got, like, the picture all ready for it. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Usually that's like the exciting. Yeah. Like the climax or something. Yeah. Yeah. This one is literally like the second shot. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what do we got from this episode? What do we got? Uh, This, this part, I guess. We have a sleeping man. He's sleeping away when the bartender, whose name's Mike, walks up on him and asks if he's sleeping. Charlie lifts his head up saying that he was just totally resting his eyes. And Mike lets him know that it's getting late and it's just about midnight and asks if he still has that meeting with the guy over at the newspaper. Charlie tells him, oh, yeah, sure. I just I got a little surprise visit to Phil tonight. I can't wait. But I still have enough time for one more drink. Mike tells him he probably shouldn't uh, have another drink here. He should lay off the juice. Maybe have a nice little cup of coffee. But Charlie gets a bit agitated, saying that he can lay off anytime he wants. Mike doubles down saying, look, saying this as a friend, which like Mike says all the time. If you're meeting somebody for a Mm. job, do yourself a favor. Go home, shave, get yourself cleaned up. Charlie gets even more pissed, though. He starts growling that he doesn't need any grooming advice from him. And who the hell does he think he even is? He stands up quickly and Mike's all, oh, Charlie, listen, I don't mean anything by this. I'm just trying to help you out. And Charlie screams, I may be a little down on my luck right now, but I have been there right at the top. I've talked things over with senators, millionaires, sports champs, you name it, I'm talking to them. I need you to take any shit from some drink pusher working in a skid row gin joint. Damn, okay, Charlie. It's not a nice thing to say to your best friend. <laughs> right. <laughs> it really is his best friend. <laughs> it's a creative, creative insult. Skid row drink. You know, <laughs> I was like, that's a unique one. And then he uses it like five <laughs> seconds later. And I'm like, okay, Charlie, <laughs> calm down a little bit, buddy. <laughs> That's funny. Mike tells him to back off and he goes to lift something up. I I assumed it was like a bat or something because he was getting agitated or like a telephone to call the police. But nope, Mike apologizes and pours Charlie another drink. We take a look over at a woman who's walking into the bar. She's got a black leather coat on. Charlie takes one look at her and tells Mike that he'd like to buy her a drink. We see this woman minding her own business and taking a seat when up walks Charlie, who says, So, what's a pretty lady like you doing in here, waiting for somebody? She tells him nobody special. She's very like monotone, like I don't fucking want to talk to you kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the stereotypical like you know mystery woman in the bar. Yeah, and uh, for me, but for me, it worked. Like this whole this whole cheesiness, it just worked for me. Everything about it. Charlie tells her that he's a reporter. He's always trying to get the the facts here. Now, good looking girl sitting in a skid row bar alone. 
Good chance she's a hooker. I'm like, damn, Charlie, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Classy. This guy's a charmer. He's like, you're a girl. You're a hooker, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're pretty. So clearly. <laughs> he chuckles about that one. And the girl, whose name's Vicky, sighs, saying, even though it's none of your business, I'm not for hire. I'm real particular. Charlie is super glad to hear about this, and she snaps, Are you glad you won't be asked to sleep with me? It's kind of insulting, you know? Charlie tells her, look, let's all let's just start all over here. Then up walks Mike with some drinks in his hands, and he hands them out, and Charlie smiles at Vicky, who lifts up her glass, saying, To health! And they clink those glasses as Charlie introduces himself. Vicky thinks he's a real friendly guy, and Charlie says that he likes her too. And then she introduces herself as Vicky. Riveting stuff so far, you guys. Charlie tells her, you know, I don't think I've ever seen you in here before. And Vicky takes a puff of her little cigarette, asking if he comes here every night or something. Well, Charlie's all, oh, well, yeah, I'm a reporter. This is where all the hot goss is. Get all the <laughs> scoops on murders and stuff in this skid row bar that I've called it twice now. Business, you know. Maybe I should interview you. What's your story? Vicky just stares at him and says, oh, you know my story. I'm pretty. <laughs> That's what I have to tell people all the time. Gosh, hard life being gorgeous, you know. <laughs> I know, like I said, all this cheesiness, it just worked for me. I don't know what it was. It, it read like it, it read like a like a eighties, nineties, like you know those feel good movies? Yeah. That's how that's how this hit me, yeah. We cut to the streets of whatever city we're in and we get Charlie's voiceover, because we get another voiceover this episode. We just had one last episode. I'm not a huge fan of voiceovers, but here we are. The voiceover saying, I don't know what it was about this babe. Oh sure, she was good looking. Great body, etc. But, you know, I've been with lookers before. Lots of them. Anyway, she set off something special in me and it made it feel real and back in touch. We pop over to Charlie back in that black room and he's stumbling with his words saying, I mean, I, I've always been a ladies man. I never had any trouble meeting him. Lots of girlfriends, a couple of wives. After a while, they all drifted away. Women didn't seem so important anymore. It was a booze, I guess. <laughs> anyway, there was something special about this one. Like, she could be she could be making me feel like I was 25 years old again. Oh, can you imagine, you guys? I thought with her, maybe I could get it all back. You're seeing a lot, in, for me, in this character. Like, like, Charlie is revealing a lot about himself here. For one, he's a raging alcoholic. Yeah. yeah. Two, he's, I don't know if he's unemployed at this point or if he's just kind of in between freelance gigs. But he's... He feels like this woman could be his answer to that. And I'm going to circle back to this a little bit later on, but I feel like this initial, like, obsession, not obsession, but this this immediate display of, like, such passionate feelings, mm -hmm. I don't know if it tweaked his brain a bit or, like, something happened there. Something happened. Because that's not really normal, I don't think, anyways. But. One thing I'll give this episode, and I'll talk about it like more towards the end about Charlie, I find him to be an interesting character. Um, Very. He's a liar. Let's see. We snap over to Charlie's apartment, where that jarring music is back again, and we scan the place and see Charlie is brushing his teeth. Vicky walks into frame and puts on a bra, because, Rainier, this has boobs in it. There's boobs and I sex saw. in these shows. I know, I know, I saw... I, I I was like, wow, I don't get gore, but I get nudity. All right. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll take it. Sometimes we, we do get like the occasional male butt cheek, but it's rare and <laughs> few and far between. But <laughs> it That's does happen. Funny. We're a long That's way from hilarious. Are You Afraid of the Dark and Goosebumps? <laughs> oh, yeah, are it's we? a whole new world. <laughs> I'm stepping out here. Vicky says that she's got to get going. Charlie asks where, and Vicky tells him uh, it's 9 a.m. Most folks got to go to the to work in the morning we're not all freelancers like you charlie dabs his face to get rid of that toothpaste asking hey i want to see you maybe meet me for lunch vicky's all okay charlie let's get a few things straight here and vicky she's oh my god vicky's brushing her hair i've never seen anybody like brush their hair so aggressively before right she's you know. ripping that hair right out of her head i'm like yeah. girl i'm bald this <laughs> makes me feel bad we're gonna be bald soon <laughs> Oh, man. I, I wish, like, you have to see, like, the way she brushed her hair. Like, I'm, I'm watching it now, and it's just in all directions, and yes. as hard as she possibly can. She's ripping that shit right through her head. <laughs> <laughs> she tells him that she's not looking for something permanent. She's had tons of boyfriends, and relationships just never work. She doesn't like being tied down. She likes meeting guys all the time, because that is what is exciting for her. Charlie tells Vicky that he'll make it easy for her, too. 
They had a great night, and there's the door. You never have to show up again. Vicky's all say, what? Charlie nods, saying that he's got his own problems. So Vicky walks up to him, saying that she really likes that, and he's just got a great attitude. Charlie starts tying up his tie, and Vicky's kind of like, well, I mean, it'd be totally cool if we saw each other somewhere, I guess. It's just, I don't want you to think it could go anywhere. Charlie gets all sassy, saying, I should have lunch, not get engaged. Enough of that, though, you guys. We teleport to a very busy office room where there's phones just ringing off the hook. There's people everywhere scrambling around with a bunch of papers and crap. And Charlie's there because he wants to see Phil. But the receptionist tells him, no way, Jose. So he follows her through this busy office because Charlie's like one of his totally good best buddies, you know. The woman tells him that he's going to need an appointment, but it's too late. Charlie has spotted Phil. He locks eyes with him and he's like, hey, Phil, I got I want five minutes of your time. Charlie just starts talking with Phil as he's trying to work, because Phil is a busy man. And he asks how Norm and the boys are doing, and how he ran into Leon, of all people, last week. They had a good laugh and everything. And it reminded him of that exclusive that he gave to Phil about somebody named Roy Angel. All riveting stuff, you guys. Phil stops and stares at Charlie as Charlie tells him that he's got the, the confession out of him before the cops even got it. Phil signs some papers, and he runs away without talking. But Charlie follows him. And gets kind of quiet, begging him for another chance. Charlie just needs a job, you guys. Phil swivels around real quick saying, Aw, oh, shoot, wish I could help you, but mm, I'm up to my armpits and work. Charlie assures Phil that things are totally going to be different this time, and he's even going to quit drinking. Phil can't believe that shit yeah. since he's said it before, and things just never change. Charlie tells him, look, I met this girl, and she may be what I'm waiting for. I have so much to give, so give me a chance. I'm a damn good reporter. Phil has had enough of this. He's like, okay, fine, whatever. You can have a job. We'll give you a trial run. You got to go out there and prove that you can still bring in a good story. Charlie agrees, saying that he'll get a good one. But Phil tells him, no, I don't need a good one. Bring me a murder, Charlie. Something juicy. And with that, our hero has a quest, I guess. Yeah. Needs a juicy murder. Um, yeah, so you see a lot of, there's a lot of, like, high energy, high passion here. And it's almost like he's, like, like what's the word? What? It's like a bit of uh, desperation. Mm -hmm. Like he's desperate for, you know, a murder story. It sounds like here, like Charlie used to work for Phil before. He, he was a good job at reporting. He mm -hmm. got like confessions out of people. and But he mm -hmm. just, you know, sucked because he drank and got irreputable stuff or whatever. But he's smart, though. He seems smart. And, you know, like he's pretty well dressed. He's well shaven. Mm -hmm. You know what? He His character... Have you guys ever seen the show Shameless before? I've not, but I've heard of it. Okay, so he... I could totally see him being, like, a Frank Gallagher prequel. Like, <laughs> before the show Shameless, this is who Frank Gallagher was. Like, the early years kind of thing. Because, you know, he's he seems so... Like, he's almost like a James Bondish kind of guy. But, like, he's got his wits to him. It's just he's, he's a fraud. He's a liar. Mm -hmm. He's a drunk. And you don't really know that, right? So it's, 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 a, it's such a weird mix here. We've had, like, unsavory characters in the past. Like, that's pretty common for Tales from the Crypt is that the main character is, like, a piece of shit. And okay. I don't think that Charlie is, like, a, a really big piece of shit. At least not yet, anyway. Um, so it's fun to have, like, a character you can kind of root for a little bit. Right. Yeah. It sounds like he's a guy who was good at his job. But his demons got the best of him, and it, it dragged him down. He's at the bottom now, and he, he wants to be back on top. Yeah. Right. Over with Charlie, he knocks on a door, and it opens up to a woman. Her name is Mildred, who sweetly says, Oh, Charlie, I thought it was about time for you to show up. Charlie tells her, Hey, I thought you'd be happy to see your brother. Mildred tells him, I am, and that he ought to be happy to see her too. But Charlie doesn't care about seeing him. He just wants another loan, you guys. Charlie assures her that things are going to be absolutely different this time. He even got a job, except they won't pay him until he gets a big story. So he's a little, a little strapped for cash. Mildred just stares at him through that lock chain of the door. Charlie's all, oh my God, you think I like asking? You want to see me beg? Mildred unlocks the door and lets Charlie on inside. This whole interaction, though, I feel like is another big waste of time, though. Yeah. I can see I mean, that. I, I personally like the development because it shows that 
this isn't the first, like, this isn't a new issue that he's dealt with. And it's obviously led to some issues with him and his family. If, mm-hmm. if him and his sister are on these terms, she's obviously lent him money before in the past. She talks about that. Inside, Bilger tells him, you know, you'd think you'd come and visit me every once in a while to make it look good. But no, you just show up for the rent money. And we see that she has some money in her hands. Charlie explains himself saying that it's not like I don't have any feelings for you. Mildred tells Charlie that this is the last time on how he's been hitting her up for $500 every month. And she's been such a sucker and just gives it to him. But this is absolutely the last time. In fact, she doesn't want to see him anymore. Charlie gets upset, telling her to get off of her high horse and that she has it all wrong since she's on disability pension. And poor Charlie over here gets nothing at all. He's going to be pounding the pavement night and day. Mildred here has heard enough, so she tells him to leave, take the money, just get out of here. Charlie turns to leave, and Mildred tells him that... I know you're just going to go to some bar, and you're going to drink yourself stiff. But Charlie points at Mildred, saying, you know what? This time you're wrong. And then he leaves. And that's the last time we see Mildred. Yeah. 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 So, I you know what? I think that that this was a... Like, it may not be the most entertaining part of the episode but i don't know i i like that it shows that he's got a real problem like this now that this isn't your you know he just goes to the bar every once in a while this is a real problem he's borrowing money from family you know like it's it's kind of kind of uh dug the hole a bit deeper for me you know what i just thought of something that happens a little bit later so i will read redact my statement saying that this was a boring part of the episode (laughs) No, it's cool. It's cool. But yeah, no, I, I get it because it does tie in. It does tie in. It does. It does. I just forgot because this episode's a little bit everywhere. So over it with is. Charlie in the bar, he's talking with Vicky, telling her as of today, he's off the juice. He's going to stop drinking. He says, I'm swearing off the stuff while I'm on assignment. So Mark, the bartender, walks by and Charlie turns to tell him that amazing news that he got this job back and, and he even got a cash advance. They said they missed having an old pro around. Mike congratulates him, saying that he always knew that his luck was going to change, and he asks Charlie what he'd like to drink, and Charlie asks for two coffees. Mike's all say, what? And Charlie tells him that he's quitting drinking as of today. Mike thinks that's real great, even though he is one of his best customers. He calls out to the bar patron saying, guys, Charlie here is going on the wagon. And everybody cheers, just like an episode of says. Um, I love this, now that I'm thinking (laughs) about it, because he talks. He's, He's sitting here lying about getting a cash advance on his job. Which he didn't, because he just got that money from Mildred. So I, I kind of like that part. We get to see a little bit of compulsive right, exactly. lying from Charlie. Compulsive lying. And uh, quite frankly, I believe that everything after him meeting with his sister, I, I don't know how, how real it was. Yeah, that's a good point. And but that's we'll, kind of what I thought we'll when, get to that when I finished the episode. Yeah. I was like, maybe everything was just a lie. Because the way the story is presented is everything's being told to us from Charlie in that black room. Mm-hmm. Right. And as we know, Charlie is a compulsive liar, one. And two, I mean, is it possible that under these conditions, under the alcohol, under the stress, under the pressures, he developed like a case of, I don't know, psychosis? Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, kind of conjured up a lot of these scenarios where I think I think a lot of what happened in real life happened up until he met his sister. And I think he took that money. And yeah, yeah. OK, I'll let you continue. <laughs> OK, over in the bedroom, we got Vicky here and she's putting her clothes back on. And behind her is Charlie in bed. She asks, so, Charlie, how was that for our story? Charlie chuckles, saying that it was a banger of a headline. Vicky asks if he's actually gone all day without drinking, because she thought maybe he had a problem. And Charlie grunts, so she's all, yeah, I thought you had a problem. Charlie admits he did have a problem, you guys, and tomorrow he's going to show her what a real top news reporter can do. He's going to, like, get a really big story, get that huge break, and you know what he's going to do with all that cash advance? He's going to buy her some gorgeous earrings. Vicky kind of walks away as he talks about how the dudes at the newspaper thought he was a fool and that they had a, a, a real prejudice against drinkers, but it never really hurt his work, no matter what those bastards thought. In fact, our Charlie was the best of the best. Always had super great leads and everything. You can't teach that kind of stuff. You can't. Vicky clearly is bored here, sighing, saying Charlie doesn't have to buy her any earrings. And Charlie's all, oh, am I acting too much like a boyfriend? Vicky sighs, saying that they've got a good thing going and they probably shouldn't ruin it. And Charlie gets all sad, saying that he wasn't asking her to move in or get married or anything. She doesn't even know what her last name is. 
Vicky nods Dan right. No last names. No phone numbers. Let's just enjoy being here, okay? And then she walks away from there. <laughs> yeah. So what, this is now his third encounter with her, correct? Yes. Yeah. Well, maybe the one, like, this is, like, later on the night after the bar from when he was like, I'm not drinking, you guys. This is great. Or, right, 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 right. Okay. I know. I'm, I'm not sure if you guys have seen the uh, the last season of You. Have you heard of the show You? No, I haven't heard yeah. of that one. You. It's it's on Netflix. It's kind of like a murder mystery. And the last season, it deals with, an, uh, the whole thing is, like, pretty much a psychosis episode where you're trying to guess what's real and what's not real. And I, this just, I that get the fun. feeling deep down. Oh, it's, it's great. But I mean, the whole series is great from season one, but the last season that that just came out season four or five is pretty much. Yeah. And so, um, that the vibes of that are just what I feel here. Like, I don't know what's real, what's not real, what's going on here. It's just, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's really good. Yeah. I like it because Charlie's already lying about the money and, was he really a good reporter back then or not kind of right. thing it's kind of it's fun maybe the episode's not as shit as i thought <laughs> uh, maybe i'm convincing you <laughs> but no i mean you guys have seen all the other great ones i haven't so you know what, what it's compared against right so if, uh, I'll, I'll give you some you recommendations guys... for what to watch after this one and then you can be like oh okay totally okay. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your favorite little liar. Happy Halloween, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today, whether this is your first episode or you've listened to everything that we've got. We are so thankful for you spending some time with us. For all the latest and greatest, check us out at patreon.com slash private island. We've got early release episodes, bonus episodes, bloopers, videos, and so much more. We upload new content multiple times a week, and your assistance really helps us make the best show that we can make. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, the Beths, Venice Witch, Tristan, Redemption, Lyle, Eddie, Ray, Rad Magical, Faith, and Shane, the Goths, Stephen, Matt, Aaron, Brittany, Rachel, Sid, and Corey, the citizens of Carlsville, Sarah, Mr. Normal, Matt, Keith, Christy, Angela, and Meredith, and your boys and girls, Kathy, Farron, Bryce, and Brian. Thank you for your support, everybody. Brandon and I truly appreciate it. Of course, we're all over social media, too. You can find us on Twitter at UANpod, on Instagram and threads at Up All Night Podcast, on YouTube at Up All Night HA Podcast, and on TikTok at Private Island Presents. I just made my very first YouTube-exclusive podcast episode that's covering the tale of the Phantom Cab, so I hope you check it out and you give it a listen, a like, and a comment. You can find me live on Twitch every few nights at twitch.tv slash privateislandc. I play a lot of cozy games like Stardew Valley, but I also play some horror stuff. There's Dead by Daylight, Resident Evil, and more. We've still got all new Goosebumps 2023 episodes releasing every Thursday, so I hope you enjoy that double dose of Up All Night every week. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for their work on the music for our show. Aside from this theme, Dating Start from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. Thank you so much for listening in. Now I'll let you get back to the episode and I will talk with you next week. Bye, everybody. (laughs) We cut back over to that busy newsroom where Charlie has a desk and he's answering some phone calls. He tells the person on the other line that he's got he's doing a piece on homicides and he just wants to come down for a quick second and, you know, talk or whatever. But the dude on the other end asks, oh, you mean dig for dirt? And Charlie is offended, saying, how dare you? I just want some info. The guy offers to connect him with his PR team, but Charlie is all, I want that hot, juicy gossip straight from the horse's mouth. He wants the dirt. No, the guy's like, no, I'm not. And then he hangs up. So Charlie slams that phone down. Now we get a little montage, kind of, of like Charlie on the phone asking people for leads on murder cases, but everybody he talks to doesn't want to talk to Charlie. Um, I put my notes here. It's kind of boring, but basically it just shows that Charlie doesn't have a single lead after a whole day of chit-chatting on the phone. Yeah. We see him get more and more frustrated and flustered as the day goes on until Phil walks up asking, so how's your day going? Charlie tells him that it's it's going just fine once he gets in touch with some of his old hookups. But something good's totally about to break real soon. Phil pats him on the back and says that he sure hopes so. Over with Charlie at the bar, Mike asks him how it's going. Charlie tells him it's been lousy and he hasn't gotten a single lead after a whole day of work. This city sucks. It's outrageous. All Charlie needs is one good murder. That's it. Come on. Hook a guy up with a good murder, you know? <laughs> Please. Will someone murder someone? <laughs> Mike tells him to keep it up, and Charlie snaps at him because 
he's been calling favors in left and right. He went to the morgue and the hospital and everything. Mike tells Charlie to just relax. It's only nine o'clock. Charlie thinks on that for like a split second. And then he snaps his head up asking for something to drink. Mike tells him, Charlie, look, I'm talking to you as a friend, as I do in like every scene we're together. You got a chance to straighten up and get back to work. And Charlie screams, I am working. There's nothing wrong with me. Just nothing going on right now in this whole ass city. I'm taking a break. Mike suggests that Charlie goes down the street and picks up a great bowl of chili and a cup of coffee. Once Charlie's relaxed, he can go out and get that story. Mike's even pulling for him. Charlie kind of hisses that he doesn't want to go to a greasy spoon and that he's just so damn thirsty. Also, he's broke and he had a really hard day. So, is Mike going to give him a drink or what? Hmm? The answer is no. So Charlie gets up and leaves. Yeah. I mean, poof. This guy, the whole episode, really doesn't want to sell any alcohol. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He's like, I don't want to make money. It's, like, <laughs> it's a tough thing know, being a bartender. When you're like working with a guy yeah. that like, has a problem and you know he has a problem and he's trying to get better, you want to be supportive, but you also want to stay in business. Yeah. That's tough. These conversations that he's having with people that are very interesting, like especially when we get to the end and we talk about like the context behind that. Like I, I find that these conversations they don't seem to go anywhere. They're they're almost like um like imaginative. You know yeah. what I mean? Like best case scenario, which I think is so fascinating. I like it. Over with Charlie, he goes to that greasy spoon of a restaurant. He's sipping some coffee, but he doesn't really enjoy it. I'm assuming it's because there's no alcohol in it. He's trying to read his newspaper when the owner of the restaurant just starts talking to him and complaining about like his health inspector or like his um like landlord or something. Then he gets all serious saying that it's all about money, you know. If you don't give them the money, they're going to kill you. They like work for the city or something. You know what I mean? Charlie nods his head saying, yeah, I know what you mean. Can can I just read my stupid paper already? This episode is boring enough. <laughs> <laughs> the guy tells him, yeah, sure, whatever, and he walks away. Charlie boringly reads his paper some more. And when we hear that the restaurant owner is starting to argue with somebody in the background, he calls the woman a whore. And that he's going to stop her from going out tonight. Charlie is all like, oh my god, what is this shit? But then we hear the woman <laughs> scream. And there's a thud and a crash. Charlie slowly gets up and takes off his glasses and starts walking that way over to the back of the restaurant. The owner here, his name is Nikos. He walks out all out of breath saying that, oh my god, I killed her. I said, oh man, is this something interesting in my episode? <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> I'm such 17 a and a half bitch. minutes in. Finally, yeah. finally. Nikos walks past Charlie, so Charlie just kind of walks into the back room, and we see that there is indeed a woman that is dead on the ground. In fact, we scan her from top to bottom for like 10 full seconds to pan out this episode. Charlie goes into reporter mode, walking up to Nikos and taking out his pen and paper, asking if he wants to talk. He asks if that was his wife. Nico begs him to leave him alone, but Charlie, he needs this scoop. This is a murder, a juicy murder, right in front of him. So he pressures Nikos further. Nikos gives in and starts answering his questions. Charlie asks what the fight was about, and Nikos gestures with his hand saying that he strangled her. Yeah. That was the fight. I just strangled her. She's been playing yeah. around, and Nikos couldn't take it anymore. He even hired a detective, and it turns out that she's been picking up guys at the bars. Bums and winos and screwing them. She just wanted to humiliate Nico, you know, take out his good name. Two years ago, she came in here asking to work as a waitress. She could charm a snake. A month later, Nikos was married to her. She used to flirt with, like, everybody that came in, which Nikos didn't mind at first because he was so proud of having a young wife. <laughs> Charlie interjects saying, oh, yeah, totally. Big difference in your ages, huh? Nikos nods, adding that he barely even saw her anymore. She was out half the night and sleeping during the day, but he still loved her. Tonight, she said she was going to go out, so Nikos tried to stop her, but she started giggling. <laughs> He couldn't handle it anymore. His rage just took over. And then Nikos starts crying and Charlie tells him, okay, well, I got to go call the police. Where's the phone? So Nikos points to the room where the body is saying that it's over there. So Charlie just kind of casually walks over there and picks up the phone. He starts dialing the police, I assumed, punching in more than three buttons because he's actually calling Phil over at his newspaper place being like, hey, I got the, you know, I got this juicy murder here. Phil gets on the phone, but we look over at the dead woman and she starts to kind of get up. So Charlie sees this, and he stops talking, saying, um, I'll call you back. And then he walks over to check in on this lady. I shouldn't laugh. Oh, go ahead. Oh, wow. No, I was just saying, I, I shouldn't laugh, but it's just the way that this all plays out is just so crazy to me. <laughs> it it yeah. really is. He turns this woman over, and then we see that it's Vicky, to the surprise of nobody, really, right? Yeah, was anybody surprised by that? 
Of course it's Vicky. Like, this episode would be boring as hell if it wasn't Vicky, right? It's a random woman. I mean, it's still boring as hell, but yeah, you need to. <laughs> At least something ties together. Yeah. Charlie smiles saying, oh, Christ, it's you. Wait. How could you do this to me? Vicky doesn't understand, and instead of explaining anything, Charlie puts his arms around her neck and starts strangling her. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, boy. We pop over to Nikos, who's sobbing in the corner and just rocking back and forth for some reason. <laughs> I mean, I guess I know why, because his wife is dead, but, like, I don't know why we have to see it. <laughs> Back with Charlie and Vicky, she's still getting strangled until she fucking dies. <laughs> Nikos bursts into the room, asking if Charlie's called the police, and Charlie looks up at him from the floor, saying, uh, yeah, they're on their way. Nikos nods and then walks away, sobbing. Charlie starts dialing the phone again, and he's calling the Globe again instead of the police, and he grabs a whiskey from the counter and takes a little sip of that. Then he's transferred over to the city desk, and he tells the desk that he's Charlie McKenzie, and this is his feed. And he he pulls out his little pad of paper, and he starts reading from it, and he says, Inflamed by jealousy, a distraught, uh, Lomax? What does Lomax mean? Lomax. I've heard of it before. It's something that I don't know, but that's okay. I'm going to act like I do. A distraught Lomax Parkman <laughs> tonight squeezed the life out of his unfaithful wife while she laughed and taunted him. Nico Stavos, reported to be Greek immigrant, had hired a private detective to follow his wife, Vicky, when he became suspicious that she had a lover. After he found out the details of her secret life, he flew into a rage and strangled her. Quote, ah, she wanted to humiliate me. She was no good. She was just a tramp. Unquote. Nikos wept when he confessed his crimes to the police, and he chuckles. During all of that, we just kind of watch Nikos in the background just sitting there crying. And we're almost at the end of the episode here because we pop mm -hmm. over to Charlie in, you know, present day or whatever, and he says, so now I'm going to write a book about my double life, crime reporter and criminal. Great angle, huh? I'm going to start to write it just as soon as I get out of this thing. And the camera pans us back to see that Charlie is in a straitjacket. And he tells us, first of all, there's something I got to do. I really need to have a drink. And I put, <laughs> I put the end. Wait, no, it's not. Because we slowly pan away from Charlie as he's just sitting in a chair in a straitjacket. And we keep panning further and further back for like 15 full seconds until we finally fade away out of the episode. Yeah. So, a lot to unpack here. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I think, I honestly feel like everything after he met or he got the money from his sister was psychosis. I feel like, I feel like Charlie murdered Vicky in his own apartment mm -hmm. during one of their sexual encounters. Strangled Vicky there. And, you know, you hear in some of the language following that conversation with his sister, um, the guy on the phone talking about digging up, um, you know, you just how some conversations lead to nowhere. It sounds like Charlie is trying to, from that point on, cover for his murders to me. Anyways, yeah. You know, he's he's got a little bit of cash to do it. He's trying to talk to people, trying to perhaps frame other people. I'm mm -hmm. not even sure if some of these characters even exist or if, or if you know, he just conjured them up in his mind. I'm not sure if any of the phone calls to his boss in those final moments of Vicky's life even happened mm -hmm. or maybe they did. Like, it's, it's just what I love about this episode is, I guess, not knowing, you know, confirmed what actually happened here. Yeah, uh, and I yeah. thought the same thing, too. My first thought when I finished the episode was that um, a way that they could have done this episode a little bit better is to, like, you have Charlie, who is, like, this prolific news reporter about murders and stuff, and he's the, the first one on the scene to, like, get all the details and stuff. If they would have switched it up and just told us, like, he's the one murdering them and then planting it on other people and, like, he's gotten away with it for so long and then now he can't for whatever reason. Like, I thought that would have been a really smart thing to do. But in a way, maybe that's kind of what they're trying to tell us, tell us anyway, because he's sitting there in a straitjacket, like recalling all of his, you know, life and all that stuff. So it's kind of like a difference between what you see and what you pick up on in the background kind of thing. Totally. Or we could be totally. overthinking the entire episode and it wasn't that smart. <laughs> we totally could. You no, know, I thought of that too. I'm like, maybe I just went way too deep with this. And it's exactly <laughs> how it played out. Like exactly how it played out. Is what happened, but but then I start thinking, well, okay, the fact that he's in a straitjacket, like if he was just a murderer, you know, he'd be in a cell or handcuffed, yeah. whatever. But a yeah. straitjacket implies that there's some strong mental health issues there, and that's where I 
kind of conjured up my my theory. I like it. I like your theory. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know, Bram, what did you come to with your conclusions? Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of the straight jacket that that makes it ambiguous to me because yeah, if he would just committed this one murder and then got caught somehow, he'd be you know, in a prison cell and he'd be in trouble for that. But he's clearly a liar. Mm-hmm. Like he's telling us this story and he's lying even in like his version of the story. But I thought that the the cook at the end was a very he's very odd how he just killed this woman and then he's like, "Oh boy. Shucks, I killed her. You got <laughs> yeah. you going to call the cops?" Yeah. And it's like that's not what Yeah, you that do. sounds like something that Charlie would make up. Right, exactly. To absolve him for that crime. Yeah. In I a like half haphazard way, like in a half-assed drunken way he put together this this murder and uh it it didn't play out as well as he thought it would i think i think that we're onto something for this one it's one of those episodes you gotta like actually think about it which is probably why everybody hates it (laughs) (laughs) probably yeah we just want more blood (laughs) not enough male butt cheeks in this episode you're out of time Well, you know what? I I must say, because of how much I love this episode, I have to thank you guys for introducing me to this because I'm definitely going to check out more more episodes and I can't wait to see some of the other crazy things that this series has to offer. That's fun stuff. Well, we're back with the Crypt Keeper now. He's pouring a beer from a tap. He grabs that mug and says, poor Charlie. I bet he wishes that he killed the story instead. And he laughs and he pushes that beer down the table. It crashes, and he says, perhaps now they'll let him write for the paper's horror scope column. He grabs another glass of beer, asking, care for another drink? Or should I just put a head on this one? And he drops the tiny shrunken head into the glass, and then he laughs us out of the episode. And uh, that's it for uh, Deadline here. What an episode this was. What an episode. It's an interesting one. It is. I, I, you know, I gotta say, we haven't had one where we have had to, like, what we saw versus what we think of the episode is you know, so different. I don't think we've had an episode like that at all. So yeah. And like the acting in this episode all around is good. I've got no issues with the acting Charles in particular, like that guy's going for it. Mm -hmm. He's acting his heart out. I gotta say, I'm totally, I'm excited to meet the cast. You guys want to see who these people were or are. I I would love to. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's start with Charlie McKenzie played, played by Richard Jordan, the late Richard Jordan who passed away in 1993. So not very long after this episode came out damn wow that's a shame he's been in a lot of stuff kind of uh, he started things off 1962 with naked city sounds exciting <laughs> um i think he was in a lot of like westerny kind of things um oh cool i don't know enough about them to like say which one of these movies he was in was western but i just get that vibe from him he was also in les mis oh yeah oh yeah i uh, never seen it but i remember people talking about it when uh, hugh jackman was in the, the most recent one he was in something called Solar Babies. That sounds exciting too. It's kind of like Baby Geniuses, mm, but not that really. sounds like a Rugrats episode. Solar it Babies. Does. <laughs> it does. Like <laughs> wow, that script writes just writes itself. That's funny. <laughs> he was in the Hunt for Red October. I've heard of that before. Most recently, classic 1993, the year he passed away. He was in Gettysburg. I like that. All movie. right, rest in peace, Richard Jordan. Next up, Rest uh, in peace. interesting thing about this, though, you would assume that Vicky would be the next character to show up on IMDb, but she is actually the last one listed. But I think we should do her next anyway. Um, Vicky was okay, played yeah. by Marge Helgenberger and Margie here started things off 1982 to 1986. She was in 121 episodes of something called Ryan's Hope. Never like a soap heard of opera. that before. She played in a couple of episodes of things like Matlock, 30 something. The Hidden Rooms, two episodes of The Tommyknockers. That, okay, that's because that's the TV miniseries. I've never really watched The Tommyknockers. It seems like she's been in a lot of uh, CSI episodes, which is kind of cool because it's tied into this a bit. Yeah, she she was from 2000 to 2013. She was in 264 episodes of CSI Crime Investigations. And then Damn. she played a, a character named Catherine Willows. I've never seen that show. But back in 2015, she was in the TV movie for it, too. So I loved seeing when... When things, you know, when characters come back as their character. And then again, 2022 yeah. to 2023, she was Catherine Willows in CSI Vegas. So, yeah, it must be like a really 
big character for that show. Yeah, and another what's uh, well, what seems to be a pretty prominent role for her here is in the show called All Rise, which I only know about because there's a clip that's going viral on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if the show is recently canceled or what, but people are like, the show is so good. And I'm looking here and I'm seeing that she was in 43 episodes of that too. So Interesting. Okay. Interesting. I love it. Well, no, I don't. When a, when a really good show gets canceled and everybody gets pissed about it, I'm like, oof. I know. So next up we have John Polito, who played Nikos, and uh, the late John Polito. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2016. John here has been in a lot of things, probably more than everybody mm-hmm. else so far. I'm just continuing to scroll here. Started things off 1981 with Gangster War. And then followed up with the Gangster Chronicles. Yeah, he played a lot of gangsters. I can see that. <laughs> he he will forever be the bad guy from Blank Man for me. And that's one of my favorite <laughs> movies. Okay, okay. I don't think I've seen that. He was in a movie called Chud. Uh, C-H-U-D. Which is kind of a zombie movie from 1984. Um, I've never seen Chud, but I have seen some of Chud 2. And that's one of those movies, you know, when you were a kid and you saw like a glimpse of a movie on, on TV and you're like, wow, that was great. I wonder what the hell that was. And then you forget yeah. about it and like <laughs> you can't you don't know what it is until like the Internet was born and stuff. I just yes, recently found so that true. movie, Chud 2. Never heard anybody ever talk about it before. Wow. No, I've never. I think I heard of Chud, but I didn't. I definitely didn't know that there was a sequel of it. I saw it on Sci-Fi Channel back in like, I don't know, 1999 or something. Never knew what it was. Uh, what else was he in? He was in the dinosaurs. Well, or just dinosaurs that sitcom with the puppet dinosaurs. I used to watch that show all the time. Yeah. Yeah. He was in that too. eh? He was in the big Lebowski. I've never seen that movie. I've never seen that either. I know him from modern family. I don't see that here on IMDb though, but, uh, I Googled it and sure enough, it was him. I don't know if this only tackles movies. No, it should tackle TV shows too. Right. There's so many things here, you guys. He did a lot of voice work. He was in Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, the Buzz on Maggie. I don't know what the fuck that is. He was in Ghost Whisperer for two episodes. Super Capers, The Origin of Ed and The Missing Bullion. What the hell that could be? <laughs> um, let's keep wow. going up here. Last thing he was in was The Maestro. Am I saying that wrong? Maestro? The Maestro? Maestro. Maestro. Yeah, from 2018. So, like, he's in so many things. Uh, I feel like he's one of those... Like we get a lot of like really big stars in Tales from the Crypt. We had a, we had an episode with Whoopi Goldberg in it. Okay, so like Tales from the Crypt oh, had a yeah. lot of big stars, and uh, I see a picture of him with uh, with Kramer from Seinfeld. So he must have been in Seinfeld. Too. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I liked him. Rest in peace, John. I know. Rest in peace, John. Twenty sixteen. That wasn't too far in the past. We we get that a lot with Tales from the Crypt. I mean, we did a little bit with Are You Afraid of the Dark and Goosebumps, but they were kids back then, so like most of them are still yeah. around. Uh, next character, Richard Hurd, played Phil. Uh, he also passed away in 2020. And I feel like I know this guy, but I can't figure out what it was from. He just got that face. I just recognize his old man. <laughs> He's face. from Seinfeld as well. Oh, I think it's Seinfeld I recognize him from, yeah. He has also been in so many things. Started it off 1970 with Hercules in New York. What is he doing there? Oh, is that the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? It's got a 3.3 on IMDb. Uh, the box art or whatever for it is is Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think. Yeah, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, that's his first movie ever. He's he's wow. on like a carriage of four horses and he's just whipping them in the streets of New York. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fantastic. Wow. I know what I'm gonna watch later. Um he's been in he's been in so many things. Dallas, the greatest American hero. Okay. Matt Houston. I don't know what the fuck that is. Why did I say that one? Dynasty. I've said that a couple of times. A lot of like one episode uh, appearances in a lot of shows. A lot of that. Yeah. Shameless too. 11 episodes in Seinfeld. He played Wilhelm in Seinfeld. Is that, um, is that George's boss? Is that who it was? Yeah. At the Yankees. Gotcha. Okay. More recently, let me keep scrolling up here. He was in 2019's The Silent Natural. Never heard of it. Oh, he was also in the Fallout games, too. I did not know that. Uh, what year was that in? 2010, he was in Fallout New Vegas. And oh, that's cool. And he was also in Fallout New Vegas Dead Money. I don't know if that's uh, like an expansion of it. I don't know. I know Brandon played Fallout New Vegas. He was also in Bioshock Infinite, which I hear is a really, really good game. Cool. Let's go with our last character here, John... Oh, God, I can't say your name. I tried in the last episode. Kep- Capotes? Kep- Kepides? I don't know. 
He played Mike, <laughs> the bartender. He was an Ace Ventura, you guys, so like this is gonna be great. Oh yeah, he was. And most recently in the <laughs> the Ninja uh the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. He yeah. was a cab driver. Oh wow. Yeah, the mutant mayhem. <laughs> oh, he's still alive, this guy? <laughs> Out of all the characters, wow. yes, he's the one that's... I know, he was, he was old in the 90s, all right. <laughs> I know, I know, hanging in him. there. He started it off 1978 with Rush It. Uh, he was in See No Evil, Hear No Evil, Law and Order, The Doors. He was in Seinfeld, of course. Honeymoon in Vegas. He's he's also been in a okay, lot of so like one episodes here, one episodes there. He played a character called Chubby in Boy Meets World. And then he played a character named the Fat Man in Mafia Two. <laughs> I feel like he is a bit uh, typecast. Yeah, I get. Yep. He was in Independence Day, Jacob's Ladder, and Speed as well with Keanu Reeves. Wow, pretty great. Cool. I like him. His profile picture on IMDb. He looks like he'd be fun to talk with. He looks like a good guy. Oh, totally. <laughs> he looks like he's having a good time. Yeah, he's there and he's having a blast. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like it. I know. He's having a great time. He was also the fire chief in Gremlins 2. Oh, I love Gremlins 2. It's got Hulk Hogan in it. Yeah. <laughs> he was the fire chief. That's funny. Well, let me see. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about next week here, Brandon, and then we will talk some more with Rainier about uh, you know his Twitter and everything. Okay. So next week, season three, episode 13, we're, we're on an episode called Spoiled, Brandon. Okay. That's another could-be-anything kind of title. Well, it's... Yeah. A thing with Tales from the Crypt, pretty much every episode has a gold digger in it. So I bet you this one does, too. Let's find out. Janet is married to a doctor who's married to his work. She wants to live her life with passion, danger, and romance, like Fuchsia Monroe, a soap opera character she watches religiously. When her television goes haywire, her friend Luis convinces her to get cable. Oh, the devil, am I right? With her husband unresponsive to her needs, she begins a steamy affair with the cable guy. Hmm. Okay, that just sounds like a soap opera itself. Yeah. So this episode's going to be juicy. It sounds like part two of the relationship between uh, Nico, <laughs> Nico and, uh, and his wife. Yeah. yeah, it does, right? We just get the behind the scenes of what Nico and Vicky yeah. were doing. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> but that's next week. Well, Rainier, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Tales from the Crypt. I had a lot of fun talking with you today, and it was such a delight. Thank you so much for having me on the show this morning. It's been so much fun chatting with the both of you. Like, like this felt like I was just, like, talking to two of my friends who just came <laughs> over for, like, a drink or whatever. You know, it's, it's great. I had such a cool, cool conversation with you guys. So much fun. I love it. Well, why don't you tell us where we can find you? I mean, I know where I can find you on Twitter. Yeah, but tell totally, else. totally. So I am Horror for Kids. That's the numerical for Horror for Kids. Um, and I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Um, and that's where you can find me. I, I, I must say I am most active on Twitter because I love to talk to people. And I feel like that's where a lot of conversations happen. So um if you ever have any like recommendations or suggestions on you know some of the things that scared you as a kid tv shows movies games books you name it feel free to reach out to me i love getting recommendations i love doing research and finding new things to watch or you know whatever so please uh don't hesitate to reach out and yeah yeah that's where you can find me, Horror for Kids. Awesome. Nice. You recently just posted something, because you, you post pretty much every day at least on there, with like clips of yeah. behind-the-scenes stuff from old horror shows that we watched growing up in the 90s and stuff. Love to see it. Uh, you posted one recently of something a little bit newer, which was like the Disney um, like scary Halloween episode with Huey, Dewey, and Louie and the witch, and she's like baking them into pies and stuff. Oh, man. Wasn't that so good? So I actually – what that. a lot of people don't realize is that with my uh, account, a lot of the things I post are things that I have just watched like li- like minutes ago or like mm-hmm. you know like recently. I, I Some people feel like I'm – or like think that I'm this like fountain of children's horror knowledge. And <laughs> though I may know more than – the average person like i'm still learning every day like every day i'm watching something new or i'm researching something on the topic but uh when i found that the the scariest story ever a mickey mouse halloween special and i saw that last story i was like wow that is perfect for the account it's it terrifying it's uh it's it's so well done the animation the story it's so perfect and yeah it people really people really loved it I do find a lot of the 
the Disney stuff, the modern day stuff, it's it's really good. It's really good. It's so well done. Like the stories are great, especially yeah. around Halloween. They're really creepy. So yeah, check them out if you haven't. I love it. Yeah, I I look at when I look at Twitter, I, I always see your stuff on there, and I'm always retweeting it and everything. So I just I appreciate Thanks, you taking guys. some time and talking with us. I know I made you get up like super early, so I really oh, it's appreciate all good. it. It's all good. <laughs> no, I had so much fun. I would do it anytime that you guys ask. I, I love being on the show. So just if there's ever something else that you guys want to chat about, feel free to hit me up because this was you a blast. It. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Awesome. I think that's all I got for today, though, Brandon uh, and Rainier here. I'm going to get going. I've been up all night. Perfect. I will talk to you. Uh, I'll talk to you next week, Brandon, for Spoiled. Yep. But uh, thanks again, Rainier. Awesome. Here. Thanks again, guys. Talk to you later. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.